0: Welcome to Season 2 of Hashing Out the Law, the podcast where we discuss and hash out legal issues on our topics. I'm your host, Arya Shashemi. On this episode, I'll be talking to law enforcement expert Patrick Fitzgibbons. We discuss the challenges of law enforcement officers in their daily life, and in particular, the criminal justice system. Patrick is a retired police commander from Colorado with over two decades of experience in many different roles. He's also an adjunct college professor and enjoys teaching the next generation of criminal justice professionals. Patrick holds an advanced degree in business and organizational leadership, and is a former army paratrooper with the elite 82nd Airborne Division. He's also an avid supporter of active military members and veterans. He's a personal coach, a speaker, and host and creator of his own podcast, which we will discuss on this show. I hope you enjoy.
1: Hi, all. Welcome to another episode of Hashing Out, hashing out the Law. Um, I forgot the name of my own podcast. Uh, <laughs> I have with me Patrick Fitzgibbons, uh, a guest today. He has over approximately 23 years of law enforcement experience. Good morning,
2: Patrick. How are you? Hey, glad to be here, man. It's an honor. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being on.
1: Could you tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about your background? I know you have 23 years of law enforcement, but could you give them a little bit of details, please?
2: Oh, sure, Arash, I, you know, and uh, I started out, uh, I grew up in a military family, my uh, dad was in the Army, um, then he later tra- uh, went into the Air Force. Um, so when I was old enough, uh, well, I, did, I didn't go to college right away, I joined the military at 21. I uh, was stationed down at Fort Bragg with the 82nd Airborne Division uh, for about four years. Uh, during that time, I knew uh, I wanted to pursue I knew I was I was going to be a lifelong military person and stay in forever, uh, and I always had an interest in law enforcement. I have a lot of law enforcement uh, in my family, so I got out of the military, moved back to Colorado, and uh, went to school while going to the academy at the same time. Graduated the academy and uh, Air Force Academy. Was, what's that? Air Force Academy. No, no, no. Uh, the Police Academy. Police Academy. Yeah. And so I um, went to school at the same time and uh, put myself through a uh, police academy. And 23 years later, uh, I retired last year uh, as an operations commander with my department. Uh, you know, Went through the ranks and uh, had a great career, but you know, it was time to move on and retired and I'm just having a good time. That's great, that's awesome.
1: Let me, let me start by asking you this. During your, your 23 years as a law enforcement, what changes did you notice from when you were a rookie till you decided to retire? And when I say what changes, I'm talking about um, people's interaction, general public's interaction with law enforcement.
2: Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've all seen the news and law enforcement's, I mean, it's a tough job. We've, we've you know, gone through uh, the last several years with a lot of controversy, a lot of, uh, you know, high profile cases um as far as you know what has changed i think you know law enforcement more than ever is uh under a lot of scrutiny and they should be they have a lot of power and um the public puts a lot of trust in law enforcement so i think there's more scrutiny now than ever on law enforcement um some of it's justified obviously some of it i think the you know i think law enforcement sometimes gets a bad rap i mean um but i i think we're, we're scrutinized more than ever and know we need to be like I said I mean it's uh you know we're 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 law enforcement and you know we have a lot of power power to take somebody's life if we have to so uh, I can see how you know it's it's becoming more and more or it has become more and more difficult to police
1: right um what this what made you decide you want to go into law enforcement I know you you touched upon it briefly but what was that moment that you know I want to be a, a police officer
2: well, for me, it was just a natural, I mean, I wanted to help people. I wanted to try to, uh, I wanted to continue to serve, uh, in the capacity in a community. I mean, I served in the military and like I said, I had a lot of, uh, uh, or a handful of relatives uh, that I grew up with watching them, you know, you know, hearing from their stories, you know, being a cop, I have a couple of Chicago police officer, uh, uncles, uh, in my family. So just that was, that was probably the the tipping point for me. It was exciting. It was a, you know you know, adrenaline rush kind of thing and um, you know I was drawn to it I mean I was jumping out of planes you know in the army so I was used to the <laughs> adrenaline rush so uh, and I wanted to serve you know I wanted to continue to serve my community uh, and I've always had that that uh, was instilled from in me at a very young age so that's the reason why I wanted to get into law enforcement. That's awesome
1: uh, you said Chicago and when you said the word Chicago the your little accent came on. yeah <laughs> You are from Chicago, correct?
2: Well, I have a lot of relatives. I was born in Waukegan, which is just outside of Chicago, and uh, I have a lot of relatives in Chicago. And so That's awesome. That's I, awesome.
1: I Off subject, time. I started watching The Last Dance the other day. About I never basketball. seen that. Was it good? Or? I, I, I started it last night, actually, so it's been out for a while. I only saw the first episode. I'm a basketball fan, and I grew up during that era, so I enjoyed it. it it's so not grew nice.
2: up with uh, the Bulls and Jordan and Scottie Pippen and all those.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm a Lakers fan, Magic oh, Johnson yeah. and all that, but Jordan was uh was actually one of my favorite players. Yeah. Now, awesome. let's go back to law enforcement. Um any particular reason you decided to retire?
2: Yeah, about 4 years ago I, I started a show, uh, my own podcast, uh, CJ Evolution podcast, and I just was really I'm really passionate about it and and quite frankly, Arashia, you know, I I kind of got burned out on law enforcement. It was 23 years. And sometimes you have to step down, you know, and uh, I had a great career and retired on top. But, you know, I was kind of done with law enforcement. And like I said, I wanted to, uh, you know, somebody else to take my spot, young blood, get in there. So I kind of mentored a, a couple people to, to take my spot, one of them got it. Um, but, you know, i mean, law enforcement is, uh, uh, you probably heard this, before I mean, it's a toxic environment. It really is. So, um, you know, people don't call the police when things are going good people call the police when things are going bad. So eventually that kind of rubs off on you. And um yeah, I just knew it was time to move on. And like I said, I had a great career. I started my show, which gained traction and I wanted to devote more time to that. Uh I've been teaching for a number of years on the college level, uh criminal justice. And so, you know, I wanted to pursue other things. And like I said, I had a great ride. And there's there's many different reasons why I retired, all positive. I wanted to 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 do other things. That's awesome. A few
1: things came to mind while you were answering my question. One of them, you you said that people don't call the police when things are going good; they call them when it's going bad. It reminds me of something um, when little kids are being bad. Sometimes the parents say, "Stop doing that, or I'll call the police, and they'll come take you away." Yeah, they're just trying to scare them. But I always thought that that wasn't the right thing to say because you're installing fear of the police in little children right when they're children. So when they grow up, they already had that in them. Whereas you should teach them that the police are your friends uh, and they're there to
2: protect you. So just- yeah, Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't tell you, I've a number of occasions when I was a young officer, I mean, uh, you know, cause I worked in in smaller agencies and you know, on a number of occasions, I would have a parent, usually the mother coming to the police department with a toddler in tow, you know, a son or a daughter. You know, talking to me about how their kids weren't you know minding them they weren't following the you know they weren't doing what they were told to do, and they wanted me to put them in a jail cell to scare them and I said, "Nope, not doing it for the reason you just said, you know we want our kids, we want our next generation, our youth to trust the police. Uh, we want them to you know give us information, we don't want to instill that fear like you said from a very young age, or they'll they'll be conditioned to to think." well, if I go to the police, I'll get thrown in jail. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, a lot of, you know, you know, I think a lot of adults kind of still have that mindset with their kids. And that's one of the things that we, you know, it's a culture thing. We've, we've tried to, you know, change that over time. And that just comes with education. That's what I told that the mom when she came the last time it happened years ago. And I said, look, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. You know, you kind of want to, you know, put a little fear into your you know, son, but that shouldn't come from the police. It should come from you, and because we don't want to have him grow up scared. You know, being scared of the police. I, I totally agree with that,
1: hundred percent. Other thing came to mind is when you're retiring time for a young black to come in. Uh, what would you tell young people who are thinking of becoming a police officer now? What would you tell them? What any tip, any advice that you would tell them?
2: I would tell them, and I get that question a lot. That's a great question. I would tell them to uh, align themselves with the right officers in a department. Um, And what I mean by the right officers, the officers that are going to mentor them and coach them and be positive and and instill good habits, uh, you know, within them, instead of aligning themselves with the people that are cynical and bitter and don't like their job and you know, the world sucks and everybody, you know, is a criminal. Um, and it's so important that young officers seek out those mentors and coaches, the right people, like I said, in a department, because that's the next generation, you know? Um, and it's so important. And that's where FTOs, if you, if you know what those are field training officers, when new officers uh, come on board in an agency, Um, there are field training officers that are, you're really there to, you know, coach and guide and mentor, you know, and teach, uh, young officers. Now, if we have the wrong people in those leadership roles, we're, we're doing those young people a disservice. So I always tell people, you know, just seek out the, the, the positive and and it's a rough job and and it's not that everything's lollipops and roses all the time. You're going to have bad days, but don't be around the people who are just cynical all the time and bitter and are mean to the public, because that's just gonna rub off on you.
0: It's great advice.
1: I I actually like that advice. The other thing you mentioned is your podcast. Now, we're gonna include the link Mm -hmm. um, in the audio version and in the YouTube version, so everybody can actually click on it and go see your podcast. Tell us a little bit uh, about your podcast and and what inspired you to start it and what it's all about.
2: Well, thanks, man, I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, CG Evolution, and that stands for Criminal Justice Evolution. Uh, the reason why I named it that is because criminal justice is constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. We should at least be uh, making us better. So I started this show about four years ago. I think I'm up to about 360 episodes now, 362. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I just, I love podcasts. I mean, I would, I, I constantly listen to podcasts, you know, like Tony Robbins and Gary V and uh, all the, all these other great, you know, shows that motivate me and pump me up. And I decided, you know, that I was going to start a show and I was scared to death, but I wanted a show where, you know, I, I wasn't just telling cop stories and war stories and those are have their place, but I wanted a show that was going to inspire and motivate and pump officers up because they see bad every day. I wanted to, to have something different. So, and I do talk about some somber topics. Um, but I, the overall message in my show is one of positivity, motivation, inspiration, and really pumping first responders and criminal justice professionals uh, all around the world, pumping them up. So I have people that talk about leadership. They talk about meditation. They talk about nutrition. We talk about finances, which is important for any position, let alone law enforcement. So it just kind of evolved a rash. I mean, I, over the years, I mean, I just started you know, getting more and more people on the show. I've had New York Times bestselling authors. I've had actors i've had ex-navy seals i've had uh you know people from uh seal team six that you know are a famous seal team and i mean you name it they, i've had a lot of people on the show and i just want to continue to give back good content uh and continue to serve and you know the first responders and criminal justice community and i get people that don't even aren't even in the criminal justice field that listen to my show so i'm having a just having a great time with it man it continues to grow and i'm, I'm that's really awesome
1: so, your first focus was to to provide uh, information for criminal justice uh, and first responders, yeah. but it seems like your audience has expanded
2: yeah, it has I mean my, the primary demographic is is still first responders and criminal justice, but I mean I, I, again, I have people that have nothing to do with law enforcement and criminal justice that come on the show that I can tie back into the field, for instance, you know like nutritional experts and leaders uh, in that field or, or uh, fitness experts that, you know, really resonates with, you know, most law enforcement, they want to stay in shape, and they want to look good. So yeah, it has expanded. But the primary demographic is still, you know, criminal justice and law enforcement.
1: That's awesome. So I am from LA, and I am a criminal defense lawyer. So mm-hmm. uh, I have lots of law enforcement friends. And I have lots of law enforcement rivals, for yeah. lack of a better term. And there are some police officers um, that are amazing. Um, And I'm sure you know that L.A. County has the largest law enforcement agency in the free world, and we have the largest jail in the free world. So um, we have lots of interaction with the public and everything. Throughout my career, there has been some officers, law enforcement officers, that are just horrible law enforcement officers i don't want to say people but they're horrible law enforcement officers Mm -hmm. and you know lapd and sheriffs they've been involved in lots of scandals where the officers are planting evidence
2: yeah
1: uh the officers are you know uh they're basically gangsters with a badge as as Mm -hmm. they say yeah um unfortunately that gives a bad name to law enforcement how would you go about rehabilitating the image that these bad officers have created for not just the department, but law enforcement in general? Because then, you know, across the country, we hear a lot of negative stuff about law enforcement. We hear some good stuff, but we hear lots of negative stuff. (laughs) What do you you think needs to be done to rehabilitate that image?
2: That's a great question, Arash. First of all, thank you for what you do. I think everybody... Uh, always you know has a right to a good defense and i agree with you there's a, there's a lot of bad officers out there but i think the overwhelming majority of cops are, are good people the problem is is that you get these dirtbags that are that have a gun and a badge and nobody nobody just says oh that's lapd or that's chicago pd or nypd everybody just looks at a uniform and says all law enforcement so that's the problem first and foremost you need to get rid of these people that are within the ranks and, and that comes with changing the culture of law enforcement, which is an insurmountable task, but we can do it. But one of the ways, or I can give you six ways that law enforcement uh, can improve their image is through President Obama's, you know, he came up with this task force, uh, I believe it was in 2016, and these six pillars of police reform, which I really believe in. And, and a lot of that has to do with diversity training, get out, you know, community policing, you've heard it all before you know, better education for the, for the officers. So it's, I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a multifaceted uh, approach. And then it starts with, uh, you know, rec- you know uh, recruiting and hiring and retaining the right people. The right people, we need to do a better job, uh, mainly with uh, minority communities. We need more, you know, uh, Asian, Latinos, we need more African Americans within the department so they can better represent the community. Uh, and that's a hard task to do sometimes, depending on where you're at, but we can do it. And I just really believe a lot of that uh, centers around community policing and have a good relationship you know, with the public. And that means officers get out of their car, go make contacts. I, I'm not a, I don't live in a fairy tale world. I know people out there, some just don't like the cops for good reason. Some of it is probably not a good reason. They heard it from somebody else. They're not educating themselves. And that's a tough road. But it starts with you know transparency from law enforcement being more transparent, uh, and that you know starts with good leadership. And, and, and there's so many different areas, buddy. I mean, I, and, and I hope I, I hope I'm answering your question. But I think a lot of it has to do with good communication, rebuilding those uh, lost bridges or rebuilding those bridges in communities. I mean, take Ferguson for instance. You know, I mean that 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 you know city uh, just rattled. No matter what side you you fall on, uh, it's going to take years to rebuild if it ever happens the trust between the community members and the uh and the police department but it's it's a two-way street it's not just one side both sides have to be vested in it so
1: right i agree i agree that was a it wasn't a bad answer or a good answer it was it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was an adequate answer meaning it it's it's what I wanted to see what a, a police officer would think.
2: Their well, it's, 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 uh, there's so many different angles to it. Right. Uh, you know, you take social media. We could do a better job at social media. I mean, that's just one part of it. You know, uh, education. Like I said, training. I think a lot of officers need to, and this was part of uh, President Obama's, uh, you know, task force Is I think we need to get more officers into, I think it should be mandated that, that officers should go through, uh, you know, racial bias training. You know, so we can spot that implicit bias that some officers have, um, you know, and and that's going to help. But a lot of it is just getting out to the communities. You know, um, I have a good friend that works for LAPD and he works in Skid Row and really great guy. And he's a cop. And all he does every day, Arash, is, is that that's his beat. But he's not in a car. He's not doing it from his office. He's out there talking to the homeless population. He's out there helping however he can. He's a cop and he has to take action when he does or enforcement action but he is out there talking, seeing what the needs and the wants of the community are. You know, and that's the whole folk, that's the bedrock of community policing. It's a partnership with the community. We can't do it alone. But this, this is a great cop and that's an example. he's an African American cop, good friend of mine, but he's out there, he's out there talking to people. And does he, does he connect with everybody? Does he reach everybody? No, but at least he's out there trying. And I think that's what people want to see more of with their law enforcement. That's actually, it's a good thing you said
1: that LAPD started uh, in, in some areas of the city um, to go back to foot patrols. Yes. So the officers can can go the old ways and they start patrolling on foot, getting to know the neighborhood, getting to know that's, the that's people. That's so ahead.
2: important. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, we are in an information business, Arash. I mean, you know that. I mean... It's your job as a defense attorney, it's information. Law enforcement's no different. We deal in information. Where do we get the information from? Well, from law enforcement, we get it from the public. Look, if public doesn't report stuff, how do we know about it? And they don't report stuff if they don't, if they don't trust the police department. Right. I agree.
1: You, you talked about Ferguson. Um, let's talk about uh, the Arbery case. Yeah. Uh, that's happening right now.
2: It's a uh-huh. horrible case. Disgraced.
1: It is, a, it is a horrible case. Um, however, that wasn't law enforcement directly, mm-hmm. meaning that he was a retired police officer. When I say he, I'm talking about... The, the dad? Father, or... the, the dad, yeah. Okay. From what I read. Um, but let's talk about it from a law enforcement uh, perspective. How do you handle a case like that when you have a case that's so publicly visible and it's so... Um, it's racial. It has racial undertones, and now you're assigned this case. Um, how do you separate your your uh, personal feelings, uh, and how do you handle this case professionally?
2: Well, I mean, I think you, like everything else, you got to gather all the information first and foremost. You got to have a PIO, you know, a public information officer that is acting as the liaison to the media, to the police department, or whatever agency it is. And you need to keep the public informed uh, as the case progresses, but you need to have all the information, you know, I mean, that's the one thing I think in this digital age we live in, you know, people, uh, you know, see a a certain video clip and say, Oh my God, this on its surface is, is horrible. I mean, from what I read, I mean, it's just ridiculous that this guy who's jogging gets shot and killed by these idiots. But I think law enforcement, what they have to do is they have to gather all the facts, And be sure that they have all their ducks in a row before they make any statements. And and that is, you know, the evidence gathering, uh, you know, that happened on the scene. What really shocks me about this case is that it took them, I don't know, what, two or three weeks before they had, you know, you know, maybe they were just, I imagine they were gathering more evidence to to have probable cause. But, um, you know, it took them a long time to make the arrest. But yeah, I mean, as far as law enforcement, you want to have all your facts, you, you, you want to be careful with what you say, you don't want to say stuff unless it's absolutely, you know, accurate or is is uh, most accurate to your knowledge with and th- and that's through the evidence. Now, on its face, you know, this is it looks like these idiots are, are guilty. But again, uh, we'll know more as the case emerges and, you know, the facts and the evidence come to light. Yeah,
1: it, it's a horrible case. And I and. I... It looks like they're ga- guilty, but... Yeah,
2: it does. I mean, it just, it's, it's just the way it, you know, the, the way it, you know, uh, progressed and what I've read. I mean, I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I... And it, and it, and it has the undertones, in my opinion, of, of you know, obviously uh, race motivated.
1: Right. Yeah. In fact, last I read, FBI is, is looking into, yeah. into it as hate crime. So we'll see where that goes. Let me ask you another question about this case. Uh, and what do you think the implications of this outcome of this case, whether, whatever the outcome is, it's going to be for law, enfor- law enforcement? Like, and I know I said that this isn't directly a law enforcement action, but do you think it will have negative or positive implications for law enforcement when it's over and done?
2: Well, I think it could have negative consequences. Mainly, why did law enforcement wait so long to make an arrest? Now, their argument would probably be where we're, you know, gathering evidence. But I think that can have a a negative uh, implication for law enforcement down there uh, in Georgia, um, you know, because they they didn't make an arrest and uh, you know uh, quickly. And and I understand from a law enforcement perspective, you want to gather all the evidence, you have to have PC to make an arrest, and I get that. But if they, the the question is if they had enough evidence to make the arrest from the onset or earlier on and they didn't make the arrest, well then it just erodes the public trust and then it kinda goes back into that racial undertone. These two guys were white, the victim was African American. So I think this has a very good chance of having negative consequences uh, for law enforcement. Law enforcement's already, you know, from day one they were getting heat, uh, about this case and why they haven't made an arrest. So it's going to be interesting to see. And yeah, I, agree I and really quick, I and my heart goes out to the to the family and the and the friends of this uh, uh, of the victim in this case. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, um, from what
2: I read, he 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 was loved by the community. Everybody knew him. He would wave. To yeah, just jogging, and man. Jogging. And, and, yeah. and so yeah. it, what? And it, from what I gather, he he might have looked inside a house or something and when he was leaving he didn't he didn't have anything on his person and and let's just say for he, he did have something in his hand let's just play devil's advocate here for a minute did he deserve to die right yeah i mean i agree it's just I insane agree. i agree yeah i
1: think the implication uh, it will have i think it will have negative implications on law enforcement oh, yeah. because of of where it is it's deep south you have a couple of white guys. We have a black man. Um, and it's a small town. Law enforcement took yeah, their politics. time. Good boy network is going yeah. to, all those conspiracy theories. I, I think in the long run, it's, it's going to be bad for law yeah. enforcement, at least local law enforcement. Hmm. Um, I know you're a busy man. I don't want to take up a lot of your time. I see you have a sign behind you that says, hustle until <laughs> your haters <laughs> ask if you're hiring. I like that. That's very good. <laughs> That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, you
2: like that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I believe in, you know, hustling, and I believe in, you know, whatever you want. Um, You know, I do a lot of coaching, a lot of speaking, and and I I just, I believe so much in mindset, you know, and having the correct mindset, and yeah, I mean, you you just have to hustle in life, and whatever you want, you can obtain. You just got to believe in yourself and believe in your abilities, and yeah, I, you know, I I got that uh, sign because I had a buddy of mine I went to high school with years, and this was years ago, who, he was kind of a nerd, and everybody kind of, you know was making fun of him all the time. And I was, I was a really good friend of him and I kind of him and I were buddies for many years and everybody was always making fun of him and yeah, he's never going to amount to anything. Well, this guy graduated, went off to college. And I think at one time he was number five in uh, Microsoft. Awesome. So, <laughs> so everybody was asking him for a job. Right. So that's why I love that. So. That's great. You, you mentioned
1: coaching, you, you coach. tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I coach uh, mainly criminal justice professionals, first responders. And uh, the premise behind my coaching is called Evolve. And it's a micro book that I wrote for first responders. uh, And it's a tiny little book that Evolve uh, is an acronym. And the acronym is, uh, first of all, the E is uh, elevate your thinking. Everything starts uh, with uh, mindset, you know, having the correct mindset. V stands for visualization, whatever you want. You need to visualize it because research shows the more you visualize and the more you, you know, law of attraction, the more, you know, it is, uh, the more likely it is to come to fruition. The O stands for others, who you're surrounding yourself with. I mentioned it earlier when you asked me what advice would I give with to new officers. Well, others. Surround yourself with the right people, not the wrong people. Um, the L is love yourself, man. If you don't love yourself first, how are you going to love everybody else or take care of anybody else? You know, it's like you get on a plane and you're, you know, you're taking, maybe not now, but when it, <laughs> when it, when it, when it gets better, you get on a plane and they're giving you a safety briefing and the oxygen mass drop, you put it on yourself first, right? You got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others. And that includes loving yourself, loving yourself. Law enforcement is so good for the most part, to take care of others, but we're not really good for the most part, taking care of ourselves. And V is you are victorious and E is every day be your best. So, Again, that's the basis behind the coaching, and I get into a lot more uh, with uh, first responders. And as you can tell, I'm not talking about use of force. I'm not talking about handcuffing. I'm not talking about that's not the kind of coaching I do. My coaching is up here and developing that right mindset so you can become the, the the best law enforcement professional you can be, not only for yourself, but for the community. That's awesome.
1: And can the listeners and viewers uh, get a copy of the book on your website?
2: Absolutely. So if you go to my website, everything is there. My podcast my coaching, my speaking stuff. I'm not doing a lot of speaking now, but if you want, uh, I have two versions of the, I have a hard copy, which unfortunately I had to order some more from my publisher, but all ever, anybody has to do is just send me a, a, a message. If you want an autograph, hard copy from me, send it through, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Instagram. Um, LinkedIn is probably my biggest platform. Or if you want an ebook version, again, cjevolution.com. It's all right there. That's awesome.
1: We'll be sure to include the link for all our listeners and viewers. Thank you for being on. It was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, Rash, man. Thank you for what you do, brother. And uh, I appreciate it. It's a great show. and, And thanks for having me on. My pleasure. You have a great day. You too.